Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. And we have another person here with us for this episode to start off season three. We've started season three. The end is near. Uh, we should just, they, they should have just had, had they known, just had like some hoople with the sign that says the end is near. Yeah. Walking around the whole time. <laughs> that would have been apropos but no we have a a guest with us today a deadwood fan a local houston comedian uh it's matt donovan hi matt hi how we doing hey how's it going matt very good uh so matt you're you're a deadwood fan yes uh, it's a fantastic show um probably a pretty recent deadwood fan as well i think i only i mean i i'd probably seen an episode or two roughly when it came out or you know around the time but uh didn't get seriously into watching it until um probably late last year early this year so this is a it's a relatively recent watch for me so you kind of caught up through like hbo now or yeah through through one the one the apps i wasn't you know uh, i wasn't following along when it came out so it was sort of I guess this last season was what, 2006 when it? 2005, 2006. Okay, 2005, I think, yeah. 2006 when it originally aired. Mm-hmm. So, no, was not watching it at the time. But. Right. Uh, and what did you know about it before you started in watching it? I think just by reputation, it's really kind of gained that pedigree. But it's, yeah, it's got, it's, it's got that rep now as, you know, kind of the, the sort of the great lost prestige TV show. And, um, uh, you know, in that it didn't, you know, in that probably because ended sooner than it, uh, mm. sooner than it would have would have been. And I think uh, it's been quite a lot of talk this year about the the move with the movie coming out. I think probably put it back in in mind. Right. Uh, yeah. And I uh, I I think I'd also I'm quite a quite a quite a fan of some of the actors in it. You know, uh, mm. Ian McShane. He's always good in everything. Um, I quite liked, and this is not nearly as good a show, but I did I did enjoy Justified. I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, you know it's it's not you know it's not Deadwood, but what is? Uh, no, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's fun and it it's you know it's probably closer in quality to you know Law and Order than than Deadwood, <laughs> uh, but it's still a still a fun show and uh, you know um, a Timothy Timothy Oliphant on that. So yeah, I, I think I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. So yeah, that was what sort of put me in, put me in mind to to start watching it fairly recently. Yeah, I think we've talked about how unjustified like. I might just watch it just for Walton Goggins. Like I'd love oh, yeah, him no, so much. Yeah, no, he's 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 fantastic, and he does seem like somebody who should have been on he, Deadwood. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what Harry brought up the fact. Like, I wonder if they'll bring him in for the movies, and I Ooh, and yeah. I nearly rip my head off with joy. <laughs> I would, that would be something. I mean, that's the that other great amazing. thing about uh, watching Deadwood is it's just such a great collection of well, character actors really, people who aren't usually the lead in things, right. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Timothy Oliphant, may, yeah, maybe, but most of the others are kind of, you know, probably a little too old or unusual looking or, you know, just very, in, you know, got that, that kind of craggy vibe to them and they mm. all get their little moment to, to shine in this. So that's, that's something I quite like about the series. Yeah, it's, there's a great, like, uh, like showcase for a lot of character actors and like in this episode especially, there's one scene in particular where I was just like... Yeah. The show allows these sort of like <laughs> scenes with these people that would just be like uh, neighborhood tough number two or right. something to, right. to like stretch their muscles. Now, before we before we get too deep into it, this is a, this is a question I, I I have to ask: Was this Ian McShane's big intro to American television? Or I, had he had something? Was he on stuff before? 
pretty sure this is the first thing. TV wise, yeah, I know yeah. he was in like Sexy Beast, so people probably might have saw known him, him from, yeah. from that and yeah. things like that. But uh, yeah, okay, but yeah. it wasn't. This was probably his first. Yeah, this movie. is this is really kind of where really... where we kind of see it or ha- what we think about. Have you guys seen his uh, the the show he was sort of famous for in I suppose the late eighties to early nineties, Lovejoy. Lovejoy. No, no I Oh haven't. my goodness. So this is this is when you will see Ian McShane in a, in a very different light. This was a big show in England and he played a charming roguish antiques dealer. <laughs> Lovejoy. And he would always and he would he would have you can probably look up a photo of him. He would usually have sort of a you know, a leather jacket and you know, his uh and he would yeah, and he was he was kind of like uh he was a little bit of a like a weird middle-aged lady sex symbol, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah he would, you know, kind of smoldering looks and big, sort of quite puffy hair. And that picture, he kind of looks like Kiss when they didn't have makeup. You know, that, that's just... a very good. Yeah, like, if that helps you visually, yes, it does. It does kind of look like that. And that was sort of a, a light-hearted, uh, fun, fun show that was on on English TV for quite a while, if I remember correctly. So, so it's funny that his probably his introduction here is is this kind of scary, tough, tough guy, you know, yeah. Al Swearengen or the, the the mob boss in right. Sexy Beast and uh, Lovejoy. He was yeah, he was a, a, ch- a charming fella. Uh, you know, a little, little something for the grandmas, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at the pictures, and for the people at home, like, imagine unmasked era Peter Chris uh, in his one season as the doctor. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of what the vibe is from these pictures. Yeah, he was, he was, but he was, yeah, he was a charming rogue. He would be like, he was maybe like a little bit dishonest, but good at heart. And, you know, he was always, always came out on top sort of thing. Yeah, so that brings me to another question I was going to ask you, Matt. Yeah. Well, that limey damn accent of yours, is it true you're descended from the British nobility? <laughs> Thank you. That's very good. That's very I should, uh, this is, I should kind of create a, a Al Swearengen style backstory, you know. <laughs> you said two various, years in Australia. Yeah, yeah, Australia was my inferno type thing. <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Various adventures. But the real Al Swearengen was English, yes? Or was that an invention of the show? I think that was an invention. And yeah. we, we've talked, I think, in Jim, Jim Beaver comments a lot on some of the write-ups. Oh, and right. he said they kind of threw that in. Because the, the character of Al was written for... Um, uh, was, was, wasn't like Powers, Powers Booth. Booth. Was yeah. it, I, I have yeah. read that, that Powers Booth was one of the, the original shows. I'm sorry, this is terribly rude. I might be just covering things that you've <laughs> no, already covered and stuff. But this is, I suppose this is the beginning of the third season, so it's not, yes. it's yeah, not yeah. wrong to, to recap. No, not at all. <laughs> Maybe someone's just jumping in now because they're huge third season fans and they hate they, the rest of the show. They might be big fans of me. This <laughs> Maybe. Is, this, no, they're not. This <laughs> is, oh, by the way, God, thanks for having me as a guest, but boy, this is a poor get. You could have done better. Uh, I don't know. Guest I don't know <laughs> we'll see how we can do later. Maybe you're uh, our starting point. It can only go up from here. It can only go up from here. Well, all right, let's let's dig in. We're in season three now. Right. So uh, at the end of season two, there's a lot of momentous things. Elections were coming. Mm-hmm. Hearst had arrived. Uh, Alma and Ellsworth's love story came to a thrilling yeah, climax. The, the big wedding. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the uh, wedding of the year yeah. for Deadwood. Uh so now we're starting in and we're in it's election season. Right. Yeah. Uh the the what do you call it? 
the narratives have started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The election cycle is in full swing. Uh, and we kind of dive right into the new power structures. So we'll, we'll start out like the opening shot. You can kind of put yourself back in time in the mind frame of like back when it was appointment television and yeah. you actually tuned in at airtime. Yeah. Uh, not waited for it to hit streaming. And like you get the shot of the Deadwood Gulch mm-hmm. and you have, you know, uh, these pictures of these buildings. And I kind of wondered if the buildings were supposed to be like new. Like, I, I don't know if they were. I, I'm, I should have looked back at season two because I think season two, it starts off. Yeah. And you kind of look in the same direction from Al's balcony, and there's like telegraph lines yeah. coming in, or yeah. something like that. Well, there was, we've we've seen the telegraph ones come in before because they, you know, they had the the Blazanov introduced, and it was you know they had a whole big thing about the the connection. Right. Um, this is taking place very swiftly after the end of season two, correct? It's not. According to Alan Seppenwalt's a few weeks after. Right. Okay, I could see that. Uh, he clings to this thing that says, like, every episode of Deadwood is a day after the one before That's it. clearly not true, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the so, thing. Um, <laughs> and he's noted a couple times, like, oh, one of the few times that it's not the day after. And I'm like, I don't know if it happens as often as you think. Yeah. But I he, think what we, if there's anything you get from this uh, podcast, it's that we are smarter than Alan Seppenwald. That's have, right. And have watched the show far more carefully, just, you know. He thinks he's so smart just because he was like on set <laughs> yeah, and talked to yeah, the creators. Yeah, just because he was there. Things we've clearly figured things out that he wouldn't imagine. We have our first official podcast beef. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Coming for you, Seppenwalt. <laughs> Turn your location on, bitch. <laughs> uh, but our, right, so we 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 see the shot of the CGI gulf. Yeah, I was I was gonna say this looks exactly like every single sunrise in 2005 <laughs> from King Kong to Revenge of the Sith. Like, I just remember after a while, I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, that's that's the same fucking sunrise. It's copy was, and paste. Yeah, it was in After Effects, and you can just <laughs> pop that in. It's a, it's a like, preset, like, setting in, in Final Cut. You can <laughs> paint it on there. Majestic sunrise. Yeah. Click. Yes, we're done. Again, we're like, this is this is the theme of the episode. Is it going to be, like, throwing mud at people way more talented than us? <laughs> yeah. That's, Punching this, up. This like, is look what at I, these. Yeah, this is what I bring to the table, guys. <laughs> it's just, uh, just a sneering attitude towards someone who's created something good. Yeah, yeah those pieces of shit. I hate them. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and, and also the thing you can tell that it's, like, appointment TV premiere episode it's al fucking swearingen walking in the frame and like kind of going ah that's right i'm al swearingen bitch yeah (laughs) uh he gets his little star turn because this show figured out long ago upon which side its bread is buttered Mm -hmm. but al is the draw of the show he's the star uh he's gonna open and close like every season and most episodes yeah uh but we quickly go down to dan down yep. below saying fixing towards a bloody outcome boss which what a great way to start a season just just as a <laughs> yeah. just as a mission statement for what this season is going to be about of uh, you know oh well this this might get violent as it usually does <laughs> yeah. In yeah can be combative yeah uh which is yeah it's a good uh opening and it's it's kind of unsettling too because you the way the last season ended now obviously when they aired these there's a whole big break in between it's not like people just ended and started back up like we do these days right but 
we just saw like this happy dancing in the street and ended with a shot of Al smiling from his balcony, yeah, looking over a, the town. And now an overlord type shot. One of those. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and we go straight into, like, we're fucked! <laughs> uh, but before we see exactly the manner of which they're going to be fucked, uh, we see there's a quick shot of, like, this uh, dais or this this platform. I think they call it the hustings. Oh, yes. Uh, for the political speeches. And at first, I, I, I kind of, like, I wrote down in my notes, like, it kind of looks like they're building a gallows. Mm. And and yeah. maybe it's uh, a sign of well, it's a few things. It's yeah. I don't uh, know if we're supposed to know that it's the 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 hustings for the speech. Are we? That's, we we're not immediately supposed to swig that. I certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point right. because I I see it and I and I went oh are they building gala? But yeah. it's like oh I realized like oh it's for the speeches. But I wonder if it's a uh, commentary on the fact that like the very first scene of this show is Seth hanging a guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't hang on the gallows, but I think there are gallows. There are gallows in the there. But he, yeah, he doesn't have a chance to get to the gallows because they want to kill him before kill Seth They want to kill the guy does. so he can't get to it. So he yeah. has to do that weird little justice must be done. So he strangles yeah. him on a porch. You, you know? help me with my fucking fall. <laughs> uh, still, ah, that like haunts me to this day. But uh, like, I, I don't know. It's not that gallows represents primitivism. In fact, Considering where Deadwood came from, it kind of oh, it's a it's it, progress. In, in effect, it's a civilizing factor. I mean, you know, right? But and maybe it shows the stages. Like there were no gallows, then we had you know mm-hmm. Seth as sheriff, and now we have like they're actually going to be elected, not just he's not going to pick it up out of the mud after right. ripping it off a con. Um, but anyway, that was just my kind of thoughts. And now we see Hurst, and he's uh, laying on the floor. Like a goddamn psycho. <laughs> you know, that's my interpretation of it. Like, I also noticed, and this could just be a one-off thing that they had this particular director, but it was kind of a fancier camera move than I'm used to. Yeah, kind of like, uh, doesn't, it, doesn't it like start at the bed and you see nobody's in it and then it goes down under the bed? Yeah, it kind of pans across from the foot of the bed to the head and then, I don't what do you call it, pedestals down? I don't know if that's just a TV term or if yeah. that translates to film. <laughs> Uh, like just lowers down and mm-hmm. he's there on the floor. Yeah. Mm. Um, but from there, uh, in uh, Todd Vanderwerst in the AV Club, he says, uh, "As with all things on Deadwood, the series can see both the good and bad in capitalism, but it tends to regard the absolute lust for money at the cost of either individual humans or the human collective as the worst thing any one person can do." When Hearst says that he wants only the color, it should become obvious where all this is heading. And I didn't really think about that when he introduced himself in the last episode, the finale of season two, where he says, look, all I want is color. Like, that's all I'm interested in is obtaining the color. I was just like, he's lying about how much he really cares about anything else. He's like, look, you just let me do my job. I'll let you do yours. Well, I'll be fine. But Todd Vanderwerf is pointing out that... uh, that He's in, in obsessed and of, with it. Yeah, in and of itself, that's a, a poor, that's a bad quality. That's right. a, 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 <laughs> yeah. a sickness or a viciousness. <laughs> I mean, because it is, it is, is. I mean, I guess we don't want to get, a, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in, in the episode, so I'll maybe no, sa- save some of that. But I mean, they, they, you know, obviously they're setting up Hurst as, you know, this, this kind of, you know, new villainous um, influence mm. in town. But it's, it's funny to think about that, you know, he's, you know, 
they they presented as it's you know wicked that he wants control of everything and that right know, it's like well you know we've we've gone through two seasons of Al demanding <laughs> that he should be the one to control everything and we just sort of I think we yeah. kind of accept it more because it's like oh we like Al yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we will get to that and I have some yes. questions okay, about that good. but um th- this this kind of shot like we have the shot of Hearst like kind of looking off into mm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have everything that goes down in the gem. Right. And, and we cut back later and he's cut, we'll get to that, but it, you, you feel the like hand of Hearst through it all. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like, he's like those scenes in, uh, with like witches or something when they're casting a spell and then you see the evil deed happening elsewhere, or the right. person being possessed. It's like, He's controlling things. Okay, the, the influence. Yeah. Know, extending beyond his physical presence. Right. But to that end, we get back to the gym, and right. there's the three Cornish workers uh, at the bar talking. And in, in Cornish, which in, is not accurate. Oh, so we need... <laughs> I actually, I, lo- I, I looked this up. It's uh, because, uh, I mean... I'm only knowing they're speaking Cornish because later on they refer to them as Cornish in the in the right. in the show. I didn't was not able to instantly say ah that's Cornish because Cornish is a dead language or you mm-hmm. know very close to you know, extinct mm-hmm. and I don't think it was spoken it was being spoken at that time. Huh. I think huh. it, I think that's about a hundred years after Cornish had pretty much died out. So it's kind of a cool <laughs> device I think to you know and we've kind of seen that before where you don't quite know what's happening in the the scenes with the Chinese characters sometimes right they don't mm-hmm. translate and you you're kind of in the in the position of the other people in in, in Deadwood where you can maybe get a broad idea but the, the details are missing and so I wonder if it's all thing like that but yeah it was it was interesting I don't think that I do not think Cornish was being was a, was a, a spoken language uh, commonly <laughs> spoken language at that time like he just wanted to be able to have them speaking that and, yeah uh yeah and that gives him a way for her guy to start shit yeah uh so this guy's making fun of them mocking them this this scene like really i remember watching this season like at certain points like just feeling sick to my stomach with what was happening and i was kind of like i'm sure it won't be like that but like almost right away in the season i'm just like filled with like uh, dread and class rage and like yeah uh so yeah they, this guy's making fun of them he instigates them they turn to walk towards them and that seems to be this, enough for him to shoot him he shoots uh it, i thought it was you know really interesting watching like johnny and dan knowing exactly what is going on and al has given them you know directives like don't do anything let it play out yeah don't try and stop anything uh because hearst is testing him um and I thought Dan was was really interesting. Like he's clearly outraged. Yeah. I think um, as much as you know, like you've talked before, or like you were saying earlier, how you know we've we've watched Al kind of control everything in town for mm-hmm. for a couple seasons, and uh, I think even though Dan has been going around slitting the throats of people that he doesn't like or that he wants their money or something he feels a sense of justice of like, this is wrong. This is really, not really, right. that's, that's interesting that you would say that. I mean, my, 
my read on it was that he was outraged because it was unsanctioned. You know, it's these guys. This guy's pulling a, a job in in the gem, and he's sort of powerless to stop it. I mean, he's never had a problem killing someone for various for most reasons before, right? right? And maybe some of the. I mean, yeah. that's that's really possible, but I think just the way he reacted, just like sputtering with rage and like near tears almost, if if mm. you know, in in. Um, I mean, just to know what you think, Harry, but like his, his, like, you want to try any of that shit with me? Like kind of like pick on someone your own size sort of a way is that's the, the yeah, read I, I got. I can kind of see that, but I think a lot of it is it's like, cause he is totally devoted to Al yeah, and that it's mm-hmm. not, he knows it's not Al sanctioned. So it's just, you know, useless in his bar and he knows that later on somebody's going to have to clean that up. Al's going to get mad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as he usually does. And he'll have to push Jewel out of the way and start scrubbing. And mm. he just... I think it's maybe a, a couple of factors of that. But, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Al didn't want this. Yeah. You don't mess with another man's bar. Yeah. You don't do it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a violation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they they kick those guys out. Uh, they tell the Cornish to leave out the back, which is just... Uh, Anyway, so yeah, and then after that is when we see like the shot of Hearst kind of like smiling, put his hands behind his head, like it's kind of sickening, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's definitely yeah, it's de- he's definitely a, a unpleasant kind of. <laughs> and and when you realize the, all over the town, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you'll I think they'll talk later, Hearst and Al, but like these are probably you know like labor organizers, like trying mm-hmm. to fight for a better. Uh, working conditions. Right, and I think we, d- we don't get that information until at the end of the the episode, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, it's just, what was that about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're about as in the dark as Dan was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what next, we head over to the Bullock house. We see Seth. He's getting ready for his speech. He's nervous. <laughs> Seth has nerves. Uh, he asks Martha to look it over. It's like, see if... So get, get rid of any redundancies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alan Seppenwald, the dumbass, writes. <laughs> uh, oh, that's harsh. He wrote about this. Uh, Milch generally doesn't bother with meta, yet he comes awfully close by opening the season with an argument among the Cornish, whose language sounds not that much more impenetrable than Milch speak, uh, followed by Seth obsessing over his speech and telling Martha that he fears words doing the wrong job, piling it on too heavy or at odds over meaning. Milch has his own eternal struggle, and it involves making the words say exactly what he wants them to, conveying the message with as much power and grace as he can get from them. So I think Milch was uh, pulling from personal experience writing that scene. Maybe not a whole lot much more than that. It was just conveying that he's nervous, and he's like, could you... Could you please get your uh, <laughs> Would you? Yeah. get your pencils? If it was super meta, it would be Seth on the floor dictating to Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Lying sideways on a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but now in Alma's room, we see the new wedded home of the Ellsworths. Yes. Uh, Ellsworth is moving around a... I just I had a bench, but I guess it's a settee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a little, little, little sofa thing. Yeah, and, and Jim Beaver in his comments later on said, like, I hate moving furniture as much as Ellsworth does. And by the end of the shooting day, I was my back was a wreck. So I, there's so many things with acting that I like. Mm, 
I can never really do that. Like everyone talks about eating, how you have to eat. Yeah, uh-huh. like and not really. Eating. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's, it's cold, and you have to eat yeah. over and over and over, and you're just like sick at the end of it. Man, it's tough. I I think it's tougher than people give them credit for. Yeah. Uh, walking up and down stairs, nah, man, <laughs> not for me. I walk up a stair once, and I'm like. That's it for the month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I certainly think something like Deadwood must have more challenges than, mm-hmm. nor, than uh, uh, you know, a sort of present day because you're in uncomfortable clothing you're not familiar mm-hmm. with. There's no, you know, it must be bloody hot out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. In that, in that Mud. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure Deadwood has its own yeah. challenges. I wouldn't have put moving furniture in the top 10 list. <laughs> but I wasn't, you know, Jim he was there. I wasn't. That's, you know, he's like, oh, of all the things that, yeah, that really got me, was that I had to move, move, move the furniture for a bit. Um, yeah, she says, I apologize, Mr. Ellsworth, for what I'm about to ask. And Ellsworth does a little, she wants to try it on the ceiling. Gives yeah. Sophia a wink. Yeah. Cute. Love you, Ellsworth. He's great, isn't yeah. he? What, yeah. a, what a what a chap. Uh, and Alma asks, he needs some coverlet for her settee. <laughs> Ellsworth kind of asks her, like, you want anything else while I'm out? You want a sandwich, sandwich or some nothing? milk? Or, yeah. And she kind of is like, no, just that. And, like, she's clearly, like, uncomfortable. And yeah. something's like. Oh, I, I, I. Figured with the, because um, I mean she's she's pregnant at, at this time. I yes. thought maybe it was a kind of a morning sickness thing because she really seemed the food was kind of seemed to be what put her off. Was, yeah. you know that idea. Right, and she's clearly not right, which yeah. we'll see yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, out in the thoroughfare, we see a shot of Seth, and this is where you know I had already been like mm, kind of like a gallows, and then later. Seth just out and says, like, I'd rather be hanging from those hustings and staining oh, and getting a speech. Oh, see, the, the show wants us to make the connection. But we figured it out first from the opening scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smarter than you, Milch. <laughs> uh, uh, he briefly mentions, like, Nuttall's bartender being his opponent. And that's oh, the yeah, first, uh, yeah. First hint we get, like, Harry Manning is the other candidate. Is the other sheriff. candidate for yeah. sheriff. Um, and I, I kind of like another thing that I didn't really realize since we're in, immersed in this right now, going back to back is like, we're kind of being slowly reintroduced to everyone. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that's, you know, that's the important again, cause as you, as you pointed out, this was not a streaming show. This was big gaps between them. Mm-hmm. So we do need a kind of reintroduction of like, here's what the town looks like. Yeah. Here's, mm-hmm. here's where everyone is. Here's where, you know, here's where all our pieces are. Right. You know, as, as we, as we right. get set for this season. Yeah, and it's kind of what I noticed was like all of these sequences take place in the thoroughfare. Yeah, like you know, so I just wrote like thoroughfare and all so these like whole gives us it gives us a sense of the geography of the place as yeah. well. You know, this is the... and there's also the big thing of more people are moving in every day. It's getting yeah. bigger and bigger, and you know, later we see all the kids going to school. Right, a lot of characters mention like, oh, it's so nice seeing these little ones going off to school, and in it feels more like a community now. Mm. Uh, whereas it used to be just like, I have to run to the store. I hope I don't get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> like, but now it's a, uh, it's a community. It's an actual town. Um, now we go back to Alma's room. She's looking out the window and there's, again, that's like a pretty good shot where it's like behind her. She's looking out the window and then she just kind of falls out of frame. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, cool. Now in the thoroughfare again, you know, we're back in thoroughfare and, Ellsworth and Sophia meet up with Martha and Seth. Um, 
And Sophia kind of mentions that she's like, she kind of like recites to like, uh, Mr. Bullock for sheriff and Mr. Star for mayor. And I was like, uh, you're not supposed to indoctrinate children like that with election. That's part of her learning English. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Ellsworth kind of mentions like Seth, Oh, you're quite busy today. It's like when you meet with Hearst, you mind stomping on the Mm -hmm. cocksucker's foot. Uh, just reminding us that Ellsworth doesn't like Hearst. No. One bit. Uh, now we're back at the Shizami. Uh, Moses sitting guard. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, Moses grows on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this this I think it's this scene has one of you know. There's always there's always such fun use of language in 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 Deadwood. And I think this scene is uh, my favorite is where uh, Jane refers to him as a man. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which just immediately said out. You know, the kids are going to go your man toad figure. <laughs> It's, Which it's, I thought it was was wonderful. It's, uh... I think that's an interesting uh, kind of little thread that goes through of Jane being like, "Don't show yourself to the children. <laughs> yeah. Give them nightmares. <laughs> They'll not be able to deal with it." And um, I think it's interesting later on that like Martha clearly like mm, the children like most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who wouldn't love Pruitt Taylor Vince hanging outside your schoolhouse? I mean, peeking in your window. What what child wouldn't be delighted by that? Yeah, I kind of like this uh, turn for Mose in that he cleared like he he kind of rat fucked his brother. Because well, he's, he's introduced as kind of almost the lowest of the low. He's yeah. just such a you know he, he shoots his own brother. For uh, for you know the, the quick buck and, and uh, yeah, and he's an asshole about it. Yep. Which, yeah, like, so. uh, and he realizes that, and he wants to die at yep. the at the end of last season. Um, but now he's. I like this turn for him where he's doing something useless. It's like, useless, but he. I guess he, he he does seem to feel that it's it's providing some worth. I, I think all of the worth is going directly towards him. And I think yeah. Joni realizes that and is fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing of like, I'm not of much use, but I have to put myself to work. I have to, it's kind of, I don't know. I get the vibe of like a recovering addict where they're mm-hmm. like, I need this job of like, I, I don't want to like say any particular job to put a stigma on it, but like something very I need menial. the structure. I need the structure of something rather than the. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but, and also I think Jane has a line, like she needs a watchman as much as she needs a balloonist. Yeah. Uh, I just like the word yeah. balloonist. Jane I love it. It's full of good ones. Balloonist, yeah. man toad. It's, it's a very good scene, guys. <laughs> and I, I think Jane like snaps at him to go hide. And there's a, there's a part where like you see the kind of mutual, uh, like destructive tendencies of both of them. Mm-hmm. Like she, Tells Moe's to go hide, and he has to. And he tells her to go get your load on. And she's like, don't tell me how to spend yeah, my day. Yeah, which is, yeah. She just make a reference to a, her, her busy itinerary or yeah. schedule yeah. or something. I, wish, I don't have the line written down, but it was another one because she, she yells it back as she's staggering into the street. To, to grab a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, and she's kind of back on it. I didn't know how I felt about, like, I thought we'd been through this with Jane, where she, mm-hmm. like was brought back from the brink. You know, obviously I know it's not like once you've been back from the brink, you don't go back. Yeah, you're, like, you're done with it. Good no, for yeah. life. Yeah. But I, I don't know as far as like telling a story. I also think it kind of, it kind of ties into why she kind of has resentment towards Moe so much. Cause whereas he's been able to 
climb out of whatever he's in. She just keeps mm-hmm. falling back into it. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, because most like knows like he, he was lower than Jane probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jane just doesn't feel like she has a purpose anymore, and yeah. all she can do about it is drink. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, in the thoroughfare, Ellsworth hands over Sophia to Martha and Seth. Right. He awkwardly makes us note of like, gotta get something for the missus. Coverlet. <laughs> He's going to get a coverlet for the city that he was moving earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I love Merrick calling out to Seth, like the framing of a dream, like <laughs> referencing the, the hustings and yeah. nerd. Martha. <laughs> Yeah, Merrick really is contemptible, and and I don't. <laughs> well, he's, a, he's one of those guys where it's like he's so. Uh, there, there's so I just another kind of thing I like about it. There's so many people in Deadwood who are. It's not that they hate Merrick; it's they're visibly irritated by him. Like it's just being around. You get this it's like being around this guy is so tiresome. <laughs> yeah, he's like he does. It was a couple of seasons ago where he's he's making this big production of we should set up a, a club for strolling around in the after dinner. <laughs> the perambulators. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Why? Why would we have a special club for that? And he's just yeah. It's just he's just so trying to be around. Yeah. God, man, and that's such a pitch perfect note for a character too. Yeah, to like guys, isn't it so great that we're just like it's yeah, just, dude, just, just would you relax? Would you, well, yeah, would you not make a thing out of it? Yeah. Like Merrick would write for Axios in like in 2018. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really vicious. Like, <laughs> ouch! I mean it. I mean, we I have hope this... the people at Axios felt that. <laughs> Dragging everybody through the thoroughfare in this episode. I'm taking it. It's season three, motherfuckers. Yeah. Take no prisoners. At Gloves are point. off. I almost went for the Pod Save America guys with the Merrick comp, but uh, you, let's say Axios just so uh, we don't get people with power by yeah. <laughs> mad at us. Um, but yeah, he later on we talk about how he feels about the press, and mm. Al kind of cuts him down to size, you know. Um, but first, we are going back, and we've got your favorite character and mine. It's E.B. Farnham. <laughs> Love E.B. <laughs> uh, Richardson is cleaning up, and he's like sneaking little bites of food. Oh, yeah. 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 Which... <laughs> Shoving spit packs in your vile mold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... we we will have that later on, but I love like EB like kind of wheels around like Are you eating yeah. Yeah. these like what was it like I don't know gristle yeah. <laughs> left on the plate or something yeah but we're gonna talk about that later because <laughs> it's one of my favorite things uh, now back in the thoroughfare Al shouts down at Seth that he wants to talk to him uh, Seth that he has to go, says he has to go see Hurst but Al's like that's what I want to talk to you about right uh, <laughs> and we we go to Charlie. And he's got notes on his hand. Yes. (laughs) Now, did you guys get the scent? Was he supposed to say anything more than thank you for the introduction, Sheriff? Was he supposed to say any more than that? I don't think so, but he was still like panicked. Yeah, I think that was the the joke of it was that he had a very minimal thing to say and he was over, you know, just overly (laughs) panicked about, you know, this very simple like, thank you, everybody. (laughs) It was 
very panicked. I love the running theme of like these these men who have been through so much. Oh and yeah, these so guys vicious. who have yeah, yeah just yeah. <laughs> just to speak in public is the most yeah, terrifying. Frightened thing of to nothing, them. and then yeah. making a speech, you know, like Bullock and Anutter and stuff. <laughs> these guys face down so many stuff, and it's like, yeah. oh, no, we're gonna have to say four words in front of uh, a crowd of drunk, uh, you know, drunk guys that we beat up on the rank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seth is like, can I just like? murder a Native American with my bare hands again. Like, I don't want to talk. Uh, but Charlie's little thing, I'm kind of like, come on, man, it's one line. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I do love Charlie's, like, morning there, little one. Your little, your lovely go-to-school outfit. Yeah, go-to-school outfit. Yeah, that's, that's he's got a, he's a nice bloke, is Charlie. He's got a, got a soft spot for kids and such. Yeah, but... Um, that then, kind of fits in with more of them becoming a community. It's like the civilization factor of it. It's, you know, this is not just a town of, you know, ten unwashed drunk guys hitting each other. There's kids and there's women and there's all, all that sort of thing. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but then Charlie gets to the, the, the business at hand talking about the murder in the gym with mm-hmm. the Cornishman. Uh, Charlie... It brings up their language as the men couldn't speak right, yeah. <laughs> which is, eh, it's still the 1800s, folks. And he said they had to play act what, what happened, and they kind of have an idea that someone was shot, but they don't know what's going on. Um, now we're, we're... Again, and we'll ignore that that's probably anachronistic. Yes, we're not talking <laughs> about that. But now we're outside the Shizami, and the kids approach. Right. Jane kind of looks forlorn. And Mose has to get up and like hide, and he like covers his face with his hat, like blocking the fuck, That's dude. So sad. That's so like internalizing that sort of like. He's hmm? so aware that he's a man toad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just, I just I'm too ugly to look at. Like that is uh, some like I think we've all met people like that where they'll do a small little thing of like, oh, you don't want to see that, and it's like Jesus Christ, no, like. What? Yeah. It's a, uh, uh, that's a really neat little note for them to hit. Um, and I wrote down that, like, as we were kind of talking about, these kids represent this new era for Deadwood and this mm. new population. And it's more civilized and it's more, I don't know, for lack of a better term, family friendly. And they're contrasted here directly with people like Jane and like Mose. And it's kind of like, there's, there's, less and less a place for people like them. In that's, in, that's interesting because I think that sort of fits in with the, the sense that we got with uh, Wild Bill in the first season. That he, he'd kind of out, he'd outlived his era. You know, right. he, was, he was this, you know, he was this big, you know, famous, you know, cowboy frontier hero. And he he'd kind of was now, he was pushed to the very edge of what was, you know, what was the frontier now. So it's, you know, the, I guess the idea of you're a, we're outliving that stage. Yeah. And as much as like they try to make adjustments to fit in with this thing, I think at least the point is that like the people that they were are no longer compatible Mm. with this, with this town and really with the, with the times. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you, you kind of see some of the, the, who adjusts to that and who doesn't uh, to varying degrees, you know, Charlie, Charlie, makes a business and he's you know yeah. he's, he's trying he's you know he's giving stuff and then you know he, jane is just kind of like no i'm just gonna drink all day and you know yeah and 
to that end, really, the next shot is Charlie kind of saying, like, oh, it's nice having these little ones around, mm-hmm. like, get to mm-hmm. see them. And then he looks over, and Jane is just flipping him the bird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's this great, like, they cut back to Charlie, but he doesn't say anything. He just stares. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, boy. What <laughs> oh, <a> brother. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Oh, okay, now we get the the real good E.B. shit. <laughs> E.B. like asked Richardson if he's going to attend the speeches. And like clearly, you know, we all love Richardson, I think, but Richardson is not going to be an informed voter. And, you know... Uh, if the antler could, is... the antler could tell him how to vote. This is... <laughs> Which one do I pick? Um, I think this is E.B. just like, so uh, the speeches, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the speakers. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, I love his, like, I intend no lengthy remarks. My tenure as mayor speaks for me. <laughs> That's great. I mean, always, I always get the sense that uh, I feel like David Milchin, the writers, must have really enjoyed doing the E.B. Farnham Richardson scenes. Which is because it's, it's almost, you know, it's just almost pure comic relief between them. It's like he's yeah. a, a clown and the dumber clown that he hangs out with. Yeah. <laughs> having a back and forth. That's, that, it, it's always a fun time. I do love that they resist the sort of like Richardson rolls his eyes and he's like, oh, whatever. Like Richardson is like also dumb as shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like still like looks up to EB. Yeah. You know, as, like uh, I think that's good that they avoided the easy like looking for laughs. It was like, no, this guy is like seriously mentally ill. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then he catches Richardson eating the <laughs> yeah, scraps eating, eating off of the scraps. I caught you, Richardson. Stuffing spitbacks in your vile maw. Let tomorrow's omelets go empty. Is that your fucking attitude? You heard it, me. Wash and stack, shit monkey. Already yourself for worse. There is no, yeah. nothing for the omelets. <laughs> oh. That's so good. He's yeah. stuffing old. Oh, God. That's. I, every once I, I want to say like they're really getting lazy just relying on Richardson and EB for jokes, but the jokes are so yeah. good. <laughs> they're so good. It's good stuff, folks. Uh, now we get to Sai. Uh, Sai is recuperating. Oh, from getting uh, getting shanked by Andy last season. Yeah. <laughs> God's not mocked, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's he's kind of like looking out the window. He's like kind of. I didn't know, you know there were two kind of possibilities of him peeking out the window. Like, the I think the easiest, most likely, is that he's checking on the action, like what's going on. I also right. thought maybe he's like looking to see if Joni's coming. Yeah, uh, I think Joni yeah. visiting him is the highlight of his day, uh, of his life. <laughs> yeah, because um, he's yeah, I, I can buy that. And now we also have Khan and Leon, like, bickering with each other outside the money cage. Uh, I didn't know if, what, what this was all about, because they were clearly, like, like redlining. Like, mm. oh, my God, oh, my fucking God. And I didn't, yeah. like, is it just the stress of being in charge of a commission? I think I thought it was that. It was because, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. once, once Joni arrives and you see that it, the place is kind of in a bit of a state, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's without, there's, there's no firm hand on the tiller and you've got mm-hmm. the two 
two guys who are really <laughs> always in over whatever job they're given. They're always <laughs> it's always slightly over their heads, and I think they're just they're freaking out that they you know they're they're not they're not up to this, and it's it's kind of getting you know it's. When you when you get left in charge and you really don't have any business being <laughs> yeah. in charge. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> All right, and then we have a shot of the kids in a schoolhouse, and they're reciting the Lord's Prayer. And from children saying the Lord's Prayer, prayer we hard cut to a topless whore in the Bella Union's uh, whore salon. I don't know what you call it, their little room, their staging area. Uh, and Joni comes in, mm-hmm. and she, like immediately has to like wave away the smell of yes this is, this is, this, the things are not being run terribly well at the, the Bell Union yeah point, which was supposed to be the classy joint when it first started <laughs> this was you know this was the, the nicer the nicer establishment and it's it's now you know it's well well Joni's gone so yeah, yeah. Joni's gone and Sai uh, is uh, incapacitated Tess is in charge Mm-hmm. And uh, she's giving Tess like attitude, yelling at her, and she's walking them through the whole like, "What do you do first? Now, what do you do after that?" And they're like, "We clean where we sleep." Uh, I love Tess's thing of like, when you've been in charge and you're like, "I'm in charge now. I don't have to do anything." <laughs> and yeah. like, you let everything go to shit, and then the boss shows up, and you're like, uh, "What do you need? I can do that." Yeah. Like. <laughs> Like, I, I can I can clean them for you. I, I can do that. And it's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, Joni yells at, like, Lila is um, just high out of her mind. And there's the there's the line of, like, Lila, why don't you get out of here and you go out to the muck where you're headed anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, Hosh. Yeah, it is. I, um, I really love what, because te- it, it goes towards the, you know, when you're in sh- the thing you were just talking about with Tess, where she's like, you know, she's not going to throw her out. Yeah. Like, you know that this is, you know... Right. All and barking. It's, it's no what? Bite. All barking, no bite. All bark, no bite. Right. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, Joni's doing this because she cares about them, and she mm-hmm. is, you know, scared for Lila's life. Um, but then she goes in to check on Psy. Uh, tells him that the action outside is slow. Uh, Doc came and checked on the whores in the morning. Joni brings up that she thinks he made a mistake promoting Tess instead of Lila. I just thought it was interesting. She was like, she should have given Lila the job and I guess maybe Lila would have been a, done a better job and maybe the responsibility would keep her off uh, opium, I'm guessing is what she's on. Um, that's Sai says that like Tess is only doing a bad job because you keep popping in and she doesn't know if it's mm. her place or not, uh, which is, <laughs> this is going to be a theme of like Sai really being a bad person <laughs> and uh, not being there for Joni when she needs him and not being able to learn from his mistakes and see what uh, a good person would do in the situation that is, he's in. Is Cy the worst person on Deadwood? Is he worse in some ways? Well, I guess maybe now we've got Hurst as, presented as the yeah. ultimate villain. But, um, I mean, Cy's pretty awful all round. Yeah, Hurst is pretty bad. Sai, I don't think Sai has redeeming qualities. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking hard, you know, of you know, trying to. Because even the times that he admits vulnerability and mm-hmm. love for another person, there's just... has to undercut it by you know, I can there's kill a... you at any moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. like exactly. Maybe some of that was just being Powers Booth, frightening yeah. kind of frightening <laughs> figure. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to like Maybe the only. Steve? 
Oh yeah, no, Steve. Steve. Steve is pretty deep. I think we, we are going to see Steve in a minute, though. Yeah. Good. Get, yeah. Steve yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Anyway, in this scene, size definitely kind of he's laying in on a bit thick. I mean, I know that yeah. he got stabbed, but he is clearly he's, he's, he's playing up a bit. Oh, where's my Bible? Where's my good book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, so he, come on, man. And he like, I love that he's like holding it to his oh, yeah. chest, like oh, oh, oh. And then when she leaves, he like tosses yeah, it. Was, uh, uh, but yeah, so now we are in Al's office. And Al has clearly just been telling Adams that he needs to lose his house to Saul. Right. And Adams has this, like, I've been cleaning out gutters all week. Yeah. I've got all yeah. this grime on him. Quite like living in that house. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good house. Um, but, yeah, he needs Adams to default on the payment so Saul can get it. And Jen, so the, yeah, and so the, okay, yeah, and the, the, this is to make Saul more palatable. As, uh, yeah, to stop the uh, open-air whore-fucking. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, for the moment, Jem is scrubbing the blood stain. And she gets up to offer Al coffee. Uh, she asks if he wants any breakfast. You see him kind of like not say anything, look at her, wait till she gets down to keep scrubbing, then go bacon and eggs. He's <laughs> an unpleasant man. Yeah. And now, see, that's the difference between Al and Sai. <laughs> like, Al was clearly like did it with a smile. Uh, he, that I, I, this made me like Al. Oh, okay. That's well. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> I might point out that's a that's an odd reaction. But you know, no. I mean, clearly they set up like that because he does it with a smile and it's funny. And we, oh, oh he's Al. But I mean, it is one of those weird things that Al's just a horrifying <laughs> person when you kind of look at it. And so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's just so damn charismatic. Yeah. Um. When Joel goes off to get him... Bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. As requested. He gets down to clean the bloodstain. He starts to talk to Dan and Johnny about why he didn't force the men outside. And this this is just painful uh, with Dan and Johnny trying to f- work through, like, what was going on. Johnny's only answer is that you told us not to. Like, <laughs> no, Johnny, why? Like, why, what's the reasoning? Uh... Al says that it stank of the put-off job, and he wanted to see if his place was meant to be the venue for it. Um, Johnny says that whoever ordered it was stupid because the Cornish worked for Hearst. And he's like, you kill them. I mean, they work for Hearst. Like, uh, you know, you're buying Hearst as an enemy. Al has to... Has to, like, walk him through. Well, I'm glad Al did, because I don't know if I'd appear. I may, I might be closer to Johnny's intelligence than, I, than I'd like to admit, because I'm, I'm glad they had that explanation. Of, yeah. Oh, it was Hurst's guy. Uh, yeah, but Al then moves to the point that, like, Hurst ordered a murder in the gem to see how Seth acted. Um, he wanted to test Seth's loyalty to, like, Al. Yeah. He's like, if I am going to... Uh, you know, back this guy for a sheriff. Is he going to help me out or is he going to help out Al? Uh, in the hardware store, uh, there's more Adams acting. Yep. Like we saw some Adams acting. <laughs> yes, this is, yeah, this is Adams doing his best to convince everyone. Oh, God. Oh, no. What oh, am I going to do? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, won't you take it off me? <laughs> uh, Trixie is like amused. I love her look yeah. of like, what was that? 
that was, uh, yeah. And she has, so she goes out to ask him about it. Her line to him, why not cork up and go out on stage with that tragic fucking <laughs> minstrel turn? Uh, that's when Adam says, like, look, Al wants me to yeah. make sure Sal, Saul buys the house. Uh, now we're at Shaughnessy's. Now, like, listen to this shit. Okay, so Shaughnessy, do you recognize him? I was I was wondering, had I missed him before, or is this him being introduced? This I, is the character getting introduced. Okay. Uh, oh, the, but the actor is, is somebody who's being reused. Is we've this? seen him before. Oh. It's Tim Driscoll from the first season. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. No. Uh, Alan Seppenwall writes, uh, though Garrett Dillahunt doesn't return this season in a third role, Milch's fondness for recycling actors on the same show in new roles comes up here with the return of Dan Hildebrand, who played Tim Driscoll back in the series pilot and now dons a mustache and a new accent <laughs> to play boarding house manager Shaughnessy. I... I remember when I first saw Shaughnessy, I thought he looked a lot like Blazanov. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, is "This that is, gonna... you know, what I think this is one of the reasons that I didn't stop watching Deadwood until quite late was it just was like I had a lot of mustaches on that show. Too I don't many know. mustaches. I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep up with who's who. It's just, you know. but yeah, that that blew my mind because he acts completely different and he looks very different. Right. Um, but yeah, Shaughnessy is a little contemptible little toad man. Uh, he's complaining. To Joni last time. The, that the, he, the, yeah, disarray. Of the disarray. Uh, Joni says, I sat on the bed for three hours. Uh, he kind of goes, oh, that's... A likely like, story, yeah. He's, he's not a nice fan. I love that she like throws the book down and walks off, and he's like, oh, no, no, two dollars. And he starts complaining about the damage to his book, and he's like, mm, bent tip. <laughs> like, you know, uh now at the gem, Trixie storms in, ask Al what he's doing with uh, Adam's house, giving it to Saul. Uh, <laughs> I love the little part. Like, she walks in, and she's, like, wanting to talk to Al, and Dan is behind the bar, and he's kind of just, like, leaned over with his hand on his chin, and she, like, shoots him a look, and he, he just shoots back, like, what? I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> but she, like, shoots another, and he goes, like, oh, God, fine, and, like, gets up and walks off. Um, Al comes right out and tells her what the plan is. He needs Saul to live in the house where Trixie can sneak in so Mayor isn't openly sleeping uh, with a prostitute at his place of business. Um, which by is not. The, by the way, it's, it's crazy that that's an issue in Deadwood, right? Like, yeah. the town leaders both run <laughs> Bordello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, like, I guess there's a bunch of people who've moved into Deadwood that we don't know who would be shocked by this sort of thing. Maybe it that's seems, right. It seems I just it struck me as odd in in the in the show. I guess because we don't see people who don't know each other yeah. very often, especially with like Hearst moving in though. Yeah, I guess True. there's yeah, things. and you know them wanting to everybody to be like on the level yeah. or seem to be on the level anyway. And once it comes down to you know, elections, you never know what's going to get used against you. Yeah, I yeah. suppose with Jerry and, and, and stuff like that, I guess they've got to keep up uh, pretenses. I don't know. Just It struck me as unusual <laughs> that they had to do a big scheme for it so that no one would, no, no one would know that prostitution goes on in Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked, shocked to find out prostitution is happening here. Uh, we see brief clip of Joni sitting on the bed and Shaughnessy's crying. Um, and then we go to the Ellsworth house, and Ellsworth 
is back with the coverlet, and he sees Alma passed out on the floor, so he uh. runs right back out. Now, this is a good scene where Trixie storms in and it kind of, like, throws a title to Adam's house and Star's face, like, well, you better sign, because they're going to cut a fucking hole in the wall. I can pop out like Grandma Grandma, Gra- <laughs> Grandma Groundhog. <laughs> another, another, stri- another striking life in this episode. Like, Grandma Grandma Groundhog in a storybook. Oh. She's got a way with... Trixie has a way with words, too. She does. She's good. Like, I can attend to your fucking Johnson. <laughs> and I love that she goes on that tirade and... Poor Saul is just completely, wait, what? he's like wait, five who? steps behind yeah. on this. <laughs> wait, who? <laughs> yeah, I wrote down this, the exchange at the very end, because at first she was like, uh, she left because she was like, I'm going to have to go take a piss. And and uh, she says all this, and then Saul is like, Swearingen says this. And she's like, who the fuck was I just fucking talking to? Says, I don't know, you said you'd gone to piss? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, there's, I, I think Deadwood gets a lot of mileage about characters kind of exasperatedly explaining a, a thing that's obvious to them and is not to the other person yeah which is what they do yeah. with al several times in, <laughs> in, you know, in the episode of just like and that's because it's like they just don't get it so it's like i like that little connection between al and trixie like they're both a little sharper on the uptake on certain things than most people right mm-hmm um, now we get Seth in Al's office and Al wants Seth to just go to the meeting and not know anything about the murder that happened. He basically wants him to say like, look, I think Hearst ordered this murder in order to see what you would do. And knowing you, when you see him trying to see what you're going to do, like saying like, will you just let this go? You're going to get really pissed off yeah. and you're going to do something stupid. You can't be doing this with yeah. this guy. Uh, I love that Al, you know, uh, can see to that. And Seth also, like, knows this about himself. Yeah. Um, As we'll talk about later. Um, Yeah, Al doesn't want Seth to blow his top. Uh, He says, uh, as Seth is walking out, I love Al shouting after him, like, as to your meeting with Hearst, may I offer a fervent Godspeed and hopes to your fucking self-control. <laughs> uh, and now we see Joni at Shaughnessy's again, and she has this line, what am I, Lord, that I'm so helpless? Oh, is this she's holding the gun to her head at, yeah. this, at this point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she says that and then brings it up to her head, and apparently she's been doing this regularly. Um which is really deeply sad. Joni's character is an extremely it's sad a, character. It, it, it is sad. It's, you know, mm-hmm. watching someone and, you know, even with her kind of, you know, looking in on the, the Bella Union, it's like you were supposed to be away from this. You just, you know, you got close and then it just didn't happen. Watching someone get pulled back into something they don't want to be a part of. It's mm-hmm. it's very a very sad part of the show. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I feel bad because I kind of forgot where else she goes in the season, but I... I like that she's dealing with this and will, you know, kind of find the other side. Yeah. Um, now we're back to Grand Central. We get some more EB. Uh, he has this little soliloquy to Richardson. Um, so Seth is in Hearst's room, and Hearst digs right in asking about Seth's hardware store. Yeah. Like, uh, I understand you operate a hardware concern. <laughs> but it's good language. I like that. Um and then, like, immediately is like, along with Saul, candidate for mayor, <laughs> yep. Mr. Starr, candidate for mayor, as you are for sheriff. Uh, you too, 
And you're also, uh, you both own the bank, like your trustees in the <laughs> yep, bank. Yeah, <laughs> Along with uh, Ms. Ellsworth, the, who has the biggest claim in the town besides myself. <laughs> like, I, like, Seth is immediately like, ah, my fucking nose. <laughs> like, yeah, so I, that's, I, I, I love that bit of that. The, again, you know, they talk about the small details, but the, how where they have is just, you know, they... Because it's so fun because there's a lot of anger in Deadwood, right? Mm. In some ways, it's a show about being angry quite often. And I like that they give people distinct ways of being angry. And and, uh, Seth Bullock has this just this great way of like where he's just like overwhelmed. Like he gets little tears in his, he tears Uh up slightly in his. (laughs) He's got little ticks or whatever they give away. Wiping at his nose and he's just, you know. He's just angry in a distinct way from anybody else on the show. And I I really (laughs) like that too. Yeah, he he goes on to be like, I want to buy Elmas Claim. Whatever you can, you know, whatever she wants, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. Just, I want to buy it. And it's like, Seth, would you please tell her that? And and I said, extreme nose rubbing. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's where he's like, do you need a tissue, Mr. Bubble? No. Um, Then her starts talking about the murder at the gem. Uh, Has some interesting thoughts on the Cornish as a people. Uh, They're... They just might complain. He's like, they might also indict the sunrise. Such things are natural to them. He like refers to them as a clannish people, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Less dismissive turn of phrase. Yeah, I, I think it might be somewhere else where he just brings like, uh, they're just organizing, looking to advance their financial concerns. And it's like, I think that's later in the episode. Yeah, I think it's talking to Al. That's when he um, talks to Al. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he, he, uh, he, uh, Hearst starts to broach the topic of Seth's ambitions, like to be sheriff. Hearst says, like, I'd like to back you as a way of thanking you for taking the message. All of my yeah. message. And he's like, I never <laughs> I put in my notes, like Seth starts wiling. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I never agreed to take her, your fucking message. Yes. Yeah, like, Seth's reaching his boiling point. Yeah. Seth, no. Yeah. <laughs> Al told you. <laughs> he goes, you stay out of our fucking affairs. And, Ooh, and then, yeah, Hurst drops the, uh, he, like Gerald McRaney does this wonderful little, Oh, affair. <laughs> like <laughs> there's this all of like, Oh, juicy. But yeah. also like I've hit my color yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I've got the, co- uh, he's like affair of that nature are not my interest. Mr. Bullock. My only passion is the color. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. I like to dig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, Seth is walking down oh. E.B. Oh, and then E.B. just <laughs> picks the wrong time. <laughs> How have I given a fans? <laughs> this is one of my favorite E.B. Like, I think I say this about every E.B. scene, but I love his, How have I given a fans? And then he's wailing on him. He's and just, just, call the law. <laughs> <laughs> Sends Richardson scurrying over. The sheriff's killing the bear. <laughs> and love Al rushing in like, Bullock! He's like, why are you beating the mayor? <laughs> In Mr. Hurst's hotel. <laughs> wink, wink, eyebrows, eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, Seth has to stop, and Hurst is just, like, loving it. Like, yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, like, ah, I know, what, I know what gets to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not much is the answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, now at the Ellsworth house, uh, Doc is trying to give almost some laudanum. Is this the first time we see Doc in this episode? I 
Maybe so. I think so. Yeah. Which is quite a late intro for him, considering he's quite central to the uh, to the series. Yeah, maybe, he is. We got a we got a here's where everybody is with everybody else, but we hadn't yeah. seen Doc yet. Yeah, he was mentioned yeah. in the gem. And I mean, I guess you only have so much time. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. I just, uh, just thought it was just thought it was interesting. It's like, ah, yeah. there he is. Love you, Doc. Um, but he's offering her laudanum, and she, there's this exchange where she says, "I will not awaken that demon, Doctor." He says, "This has nothing to do with demons, Mrs. Ellsworth. This has to do with allaying the pain to get you through. Leave the demons to God and trust the pain to me." Um, I like. I've always liked the relationship between Doc and Alma Mm -hmm. because Doc is running up against someone who is probably unlike any other patient of his. Mm. There's, you know, he attends to all the whores who like will follow his advice, but make really bad decisions. And then there's like the men who probably like are too stubborn to like, listen to him. Mm -hmm. Alma like respects him, but also is clearly that sort of like, upper class, like, let me speak to your manager sort of personality where it's like, what are your credentials? Like, let, mm-hmm. can I, I need to get a second opinion? Like that sort of a thing. <laughs> um, to where he's like a little bit off guard of like, okay, I'm not used to getting these sort of questions about my practice. And there's a mutual respect there that I really enjoy. Um, we're, we're back at the schoolhouse and Martha is taking the children to their spelling lessons Oh, with these really odd sentences. And it's, I thought that was kind of interesting. It was, you know, they were, they all seem specifically designed to show how some of the, the weird prejudices in, in Deadwood are, are passed down. There's a, you know, odd line about the Jews and the Indians and things the like altar that. Altar of stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I wonder, if, I would really like to know if they found these in some old, like, school books or something, because every once in a while you'll see, like, someone digs up an old school book and there's really messed up things. Yeah. Uh, But one thing that I thought was funny, I was watching on HBO with the subtitles on, and uh, the HBO subtitles misspelled alter. Is it A-L-T-E-R? It's right there, guys. And Martha, like, says later on, it's like, in this case, alter is spelled (laughs) A-L-T-A-R. And and they spell it right in that one, but, like, not. And I was like, guys, she tells you. She tells you how to spell it. But I do really like this uh, thing of, like, it's not so important to always be right or be the first one to answer. Like, it's okay. I think it uh, shows Martha is a really good teacher. Um, and apparently that little girl who is writing is, uh, well, now I've forgotten whose kid it is. I think it's W. Earl Brown's daughter. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Really nice. Apparently all those, all those, uh, kids are like someone involved with the show. Like, mm. um, uh, Johnny Burns, um, I forget the actor's name. Um, but his son is there. Mm. Uh, at the gym, Seth says he wants to pull off. Pull out of the race, uh, as Hurst will use the information about his fare with Alma to control him. Al has to kind of like talk him down, like, "Look, we all have sex. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, don't pull out of the race. Like, you're fine." Uh, and then after Seth leaves, Al's talking to Dan. And he's like, "You know, Hurst might not have known for sure until yeah. Seth fucking beat the mayor to death." Uh, but he, now that he's seen. Seth go absolutely ape wild. Like, uh, he knows for sure now. And this is where they have to like, man, I, I miss the days when just like slit. Yeah. You could just cut someone's throat and be the end of it. Yeah. Um, back at the Ellsworth house, doc goes out to assure, uh, 
Ellsworth that Alma and the baby are okay. Um, Ellsworth has to be strong. He tells Ellsworth, like, you have to be strong for her and, like, make sure she takes the medicine, which is interesting now. He has, like, you have to make sure she is actually taking it right. rather than, like, taking too much. Um, <clears throat> but now we're back at Charlie's store. This goes back to we talked about Charlie trying to be respectable, like a businessman. Mm-hmm. I love him, like, <laughs> constantly complaining about his job. <laughs> <laughs> Who are all these people? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this just goes back to the camp growing and yeah, like, he's right. the only like male stop. <laughs> he's getting all these things, people coming in on the, on the coach. And then go, Seth goes to sit down and he actually sits inside the jail cell <laughs> and tells him like, well, I just beat up EB. <laughs> and Charlie's just like, oh, oh, well, <laughs> Yeah, every everyone gets it. He's like, oh yeah, no, he be yeah, no, no. I uh, I understand that impulse. <laughs> and and here we see that Seth has himself come around to uh, wondering if like maybe Hurst didn't know, and maybe I just tipped him off. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And Charlie, for you know, the the first of a couple times where he's going to talk people out of not liking themselves. Yeah. He's like now. Seth, because Seth's saying, like, maybe I, I oughtn't be sheriff if, like, I'm always going to be flying off the handle like this. Maybe the camp needs a better. And Charlie was kind of like, who's the other uh, yeah, it's who's the, the other <laughs> candidate? And, like, what was the other time that you've met Harry Manning's? Like, when he shot, shot a guy by shot, accident? He shot Bummer Dan. <laughs> Bummer Dan. The late no. lamented Bummer Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as he pointed that, I think it's, it's better to have a short-tempered sheriff than a stupid one, I think is the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the conclusion to that. And now we're back at number ten, and uh, we get Steve. Steve. And I think another, I, again, another great character because uh, you know, I mean, he's loathsome, and uh, we all uh, we all hate Steve because he's gross. But uh, he is. I, I do love the way he's played, where Steve always enters a scene as the angriest, <laughs> angriest anyone has ever been, and then gets slightly angrier through the rest of the scene. He's just got a he's got a great set of eyebrows, and he's just like whatever whatever has happened thirty seconds before he enters the scene has made him so upset. And that's always Steve's role in a scene, and I do like that. Constantly, I ain't never been given fucking respect. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just quivering with anger in every situation. And this is—he's angry at the concept of the guy that he stole the livery from might yeah. come back, and that's made him so upset. It's—it's it's, the other thing about Steve, and I hate to say it, but if we're gonna talk about like epitome epitomizing the American character, like Steve is an extremely American character. The way he's like, things are just being taken from me that I earned by rights. And it's like, you, you, Hostetler built that place and like set it up. And like, he like ran out of town to not be murdered by racism that you stoked up. Right. And like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we don't have to elucidate exactly why his position is stupid, but you see this in American life a lot. You see a lot of people like saying, like, oh, 
welfare. I'm just going to these like lazy pieces it's of crap. It's like that it's, later in the season he has a right. hat that says "Make Deadwood Great Again." Is that, <laughs> that's a weird. How did they At know? the time it that's, was weird. At the time it was weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 spooky, right? But Milch just understands America. <laughs> yeah. and he gets it. He just but yeah, I mean, you you see this uh, with people like complaining about like these straw men like problems. Mm. But I love, uh, uh, he's asking Harry, Harry what he's going to do about this. And Harry clearly like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, one, that he's completely unprepared and also like doesn't have an answer to an easy question. He's like, I see your point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a worthless. And then like, that was a wiggle worthy of a fucking reptile, Harry. <laughs> and then he goes, Bullock taking a position yet? <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to see what Seth is going to do. And I think this shows, like, you know, Seth is is smart, too. As much as he's, you know, Impulsive Al, and, you know. We see Al kind of go, maybe Hearst didn't know, and now Seth's tipped him off. And once Seth stopped being furiously angry, he also realizes, like, I might have tipped him off. Yeah. Uh, so Seth isn't stupid. Is a, is a thing as much as he's short tempered. Um, now we're back at the schoolhouse and Jane is kind of like peeking in the window, <laughs> and Martha opens it. It's like, "Hello, Jane." And Jane's like, "Her what?" <laughs> uh, Poor Jane. Uh, I love this sort of like Martha's like, "I, I hear you. You uh, scouted for George Custer." And Jane's like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> <laughs> I love the sort of like. Um, the sort of like Jane not, I, I don't know if it's Jane not understanding uh, the situation or if it's Martha just like being really punchy. I don't know. Well, I think it's kind of that they, they're just two very different people with yeah. completely different backgrounds. Like Jane barely fits in with Deadwood as a whole. Like even, like even Deadwood's a little, a little too civilized for Jane to be totally comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And Martha's <laughs> completely overwhelmed by, you yeah. know, what a crazy and rough place Deadwood is. And it's, so it's two people from very different backgrounds. It's just a hard conversation, hard to have a conversation yeah. between them. And she's definitely trying to yeah, like, well, be gentle. Like, like, do I be gentle? Yeah, do, do I? It, how do you? you, know, you and, and yeah, Jane is she <laughs> cannot handle conversations very well. Right, um, but then Martha, you know, kind of approaches the topic of, uh, would you like to come tell stories about sc- scouting for Custer? Jane's reason why not is because she finds herself for swearing in front of children, and uh, she needs the money to buy alcohol. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's a sign you have a problem. But uh, anyway, Jane like push uh, Martha pushes it, and please come do it. Uh, <laughs> this is the scene where Jane asks if Moe scares the children, gives them nightmares. <laughs> Martha's like, the, no, the kids, the kids love Moe's. Yeah. Again, as I say, what child would not love Pruitt Taylor Vince <laughs> hanging around their school? I, you know. Yeah. He's, uh, he's delightful. And then <laughs> Seth arrives and J- I love Jane just like skip ah, I better get out of here <laughs> I left a fucking bottle here <laughs> I don't know why I'm in here <laughs> yeah, you guys do a, you guys both do a very good Jane impression I just I just want to say that you know I don't know if you have Thank guests you. on often but it's quite a good both of you have a good Jane that should be a segment you should do dueling Janes dueling Janes 
Wait, look for it next week. For us. Uh, and there's there's a good little comic beat here of like, how was your meeting with Mr. Hurst? Nose rub. Yeah, <laughs> fists all fucked up. <laughs> Uh, at the Ellsworth house, we have Ellsworth playing cards with Sophia. Uh, and he's kind of telling her, like, no, we don't need to be worried about her. She's not in any trouble. <laughs> I was like, we don't have to be worried. <laughs> Meaning I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trixie walks upstairs and uh, had little Ellsworth and Sophia sticking their tongues out at each other. It's very cute. Uh, upstairs, we have Trixie talking to Alma. Trixie asks if she actually wants to keep the kid. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she kind of asks, like, really? Because the way you're overworking yourself seems like you're trying to lose it. Um, but Alma assures her, like, no, I really want to have this kid. Yeah. Uh, so that's when Trixie tells her, like, all right, well, you need to, like, lie back and let us pamper you, and mm-hmm. you're going to have this kid. Alma and Trixie, I would really like more scenes with them. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good... For, I would like to see that friendship grow beyond... And this is the first, like, inkling of it where, you know, in the past it's been, like, Trixie's brash and telling it straight. And Alma's just, like, can't believe it. Uh, I I like this sort of, like, growing into a friendship. Uh, And then, like, uh, Trixie actually showing affection for her. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Um, Now we get EB again. (laughs) It's EB. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really just, I, I want to collect just like, they used to make those Saturday Night Live like best of uh, Chris Farley. Like, uh-huh. I just want. Oh, a, be, a best a of EB photo. DVD, <laughs> just EB scenes. Like, members of the camp, do you see come before you some swollen and dissolute stranger? <laughs> the Emperor Palpatine handbook. <laughs> what is that? Remember, like, that's how he got, uh, he got to be the Emperor. Was because he shocked and like disfigured his face. Remember? Oh no, I don't. Was that in the prequels? Yeah, it was in the prequels. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Second Revenge of the Sith reference today. Oh, well, I thought it was going to be a Deadwood podcast. And I didn't look up Star Wars stuff ahead of time, so I'm I'm going to have to recuse myself from. I'm that. just saying, EB could have played that one. Uh, but now EB's talking about how much he hates sand mm-hmm. and <laughs> <gets> everywhere. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, it is I, E.B. Farnham. Uh, oh, God, this is so good. When Al's interrogating him about, like, did you tell Hurst about... Oh, yeah. yeah. All my set, he goes, I will profane Fair. your fucking remains, E.B. <laughs> Not my remains. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good line reading. I, I feel like we've, we've heard a lot about how um, uh, w- William Sanderson... Uh, is very uh, insecure about his place. And like, he always feels like he's the worst actor and he's about to get fired and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, Oh, that's definitely, that's EB. He's always concerned, (laughs) always concerned that he's getting pushed out or left behind. Yeah. Gabriel EB was left out. The title of a, yeah. uh, Gabriel's trumpet will produce you from the ass of a fucking pig. (laughs) That is so like, I just want to like stop for a minute. Every once in a while, I'm eating like a good steak or something, and I like will stop on one bite and just kind of like lean back in my chair and just like think about the f- taste of it. And like just that line, like G- Gabriel's trumpet will produce you from the ass of a fucking pig. I just want to <laughs> sit back and just savor that writing. Yeah. 
you don't, you're not going to find this anywhere else. I love it. Um, it would be very out of place in most TV shows. <laughs> it would be. That's, that's a good point. Uh, but EB swears that he didn't. It seems like the one time that EB got beat up for something. For, for something he didn't do. Yeah, yeah. He's actually like innocent of being a shit for once. Uh, but Al heads back down to the bar and he sees Merrick there. And he has, <laughs> I like that Al gets gratis right this time. Uh-huh. He goes, get, yep. get Merrick a drink gratis. Because you know? <laughs> he'd love that for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mer- Merrick has <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need to be thanked for hosting these speeches, which is what I assume you're so happy about is mm. that I've had these political speeches. But Al tells him, like, nope, speeches are canceled. Yeah, <laughs> like, not doing it. Merrick is, is distraught, and he's, like, really upset and, like, asking why. Like, why why, is, like, why are you not telling me what's going on? Why isn't this not happening? And Al just has to be like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Which is going back to Merrick's sort of, like, Boy Scoutish vision of the press and truth, and we'll deal with that in a later scene. Um now we're we're back at Shaughnessy's and Joni is returning the key and he asks how much disarray the state is in. I love her shot back to him like, there is no disarray. Uh, but she kind of goes like, you almost had brain on your walls. And then she goes, ooh. She does like a spooky noise at him. Yeah, she turns into a high school goth all of a sudden. Like, now we're back in Hearst's room and uh, Al is talking to Hearst. Uh, I love this, like, this the shooting in your bar, it stinks of a put-up job. Like, I'm wondering if someone's coming after you, Mr. Hurst. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hurst is like, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason to be worried. <laughs> uh, but Al then brings up that he doesn't like any killing that happens in his place that he hasn't. He didn't okay first. Yeah. Right, exactly. And he mentions that it makes him upset. And when he's upset, he starts tearing things down. He said, I'm the one that canceled the speeches for tonight. Uh, and if things aren't settled by tomorrow and I'm not placated, there'll be some more. You know, maybe even the agreement with Yankton. So uh, I guess that, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's Al, pu- Al pushing back. It's him actually threatening yeah. uh, Hurst. Because uh, Al says, uh, let the camp return to its former repute, unstable and unsafe for commerce. Hurst says, I'm a great believer in those. Uh He's like, oh, stability, sir, and commerce? I can fucking imagine. Think of all they've helped you accomplish, which is like, <laughs> we're getting really into the, the, the role of capitalism and, and government here mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that Hearst needs those things in order to get as much of his precious color as he can and get uh, the highest uh, uh, return on his investment or anything. Um, but this is also... Al's playing a dangerous game. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, threatening a guy that maybe he can't bully around the way he has everyone else. Um, so Hearst says, uh, then I'll hope that your insult is cured then to spare the camp any danger of however brief a duration. Um, Al seems to think that this small thing is fixed and they can go back to being peaceable. But you can see Hearst clearly, like, seething about, like, yeah. he doesn't like to be embarrassed. He doesn't want to have to deal with this. He doesn't want to be pushed uh, around. Yeah. 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 He, he, as much as he says, like, oh, I'm only interested in the color, he also is very proud. And he doesn't 
want to have to deal with anything blocking his way. Well, yeah, I mean, I think money. it's the thing is, you know, you 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 don't you don't go against, you don't want to go against him. This is um, well, like I was it last season was Sai threatening him for five percent? Was that last episode? Was that the, yeah, 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 yeah. It was the mm-hmm. the previous season, and you you see how much that you know kind of sets him. And and I think only Sai saying that he has a letter has from letter. Walcott was all that was all mm-hmm. that saved him from you know getting um, yeah <laughs> getting taken out right then. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it is it is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, um, and then Al leaves. And like I, I wrote down at first, like he Al seems to think everything's fine, but I think he also knows. Oh no, that, like, no, I don't think he does though, yeah. because what does he say to Richardson? Fucking pagan. Tell your God to ready for blood. Title of the app, baby. <laughs> and that's a good ass line too. Yeah, like yeah. we kind of look it over because it's like the title and we're ready for it. We're kind of primed for it. But like that's a good ass line. Which is great. Which is a nice resonance to Dan's first line at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they're warning us. Yeah, I mean, we like, can't this say is what's uh now we're back at the Bullock house and they're all sitting around the dinner table <laughs> practicing. <laughs> I love Seth's little hand motions, yeah. like point, point like that. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted him to like accidentally invent the like Bill Clinton, like shallow thumbs up. I don't know yeah. how you. Uh, it's difficult to failure. describe that over a microphone, but he he's doing it. Daniel's doing it very well right now. <laughs> I know you guys at home can't see that, but he, he nailed it, really. People are dead. What? I feel your pain. Uh then Saul brings up that like Adams might default on the house and Martha is like, Oh, it's a very nice house. Yeah, it's a good yeah. house. And this brings up something. I don't think, I don't think we, we see the exterior or maybe it won't be for a while, but in the actual Deadwood, there's a famous house called the Adams house. Hmm. And it's like a, it's a museum for like historical Deadwood. And oh, okay. I, it's, it wasn't like Silas Adams who worked at the gem that owned it, but it was the, you know, last name Adams. Hmm. That was like a big, family in Deadwood. So oh, right. I wonder if like Adam's house was inspired by mm-hmm. the actual Adam's house. Can we pretend it was? Yes. Makes okay, a good, good story. You can you can Approved. see where you can see where he cleaned the gutters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some cuticle yeah. uh right along there. It survived the fire of eighteen eighty nine. Um I love that Al introduces himself as Albert Swearingen. Yeah. Yeah that's a that's a that's a funny one. Isn't it? I wonder if it's because Martha's there and he like he's being, had, being he's, extra polite. Have we heard him call himself Albert before? I don't think so. I can't remember. Maybe he had, there's no. no way I'd remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. This is a, it did it did stand out in the scene that he was Albert Swearingen. Yeah. In that he's, he's exclusively referred to as Al in my in my memory. I mean, perhaps there was a perhaps there was a scene or two. Mm-hmm. But he, he tells them all that the speeches have been postponed, and I think he's the most popular man in that room. <laughs> um, and then we go back to the chaise amie, and Jane is telling Joni that Martha uh, wants her to tell the kids stories. About and, being a scout for Costa, yeah. Yeah, Joni, Joni thinks it's a great idea. And Jane gets up. She's been lying on the floor. <laughs> and she goes, oh, a piss puddle. Must not have seen that when seating myself. <laughs> oh, Jane. That's, uh... Oh, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Joni asked Jane why she's drinking so much, but she doesn't, like, press it. And she's like, why are you doing this? And Jane asks her, why are you going back to the Bella Union? Just kind of people being... Mm. 
Uh, People, it's very difficult to break out of patterns, I suppose, break out of old habits. Mm-hmm. But they have this line, Joni says, someone's got to look after those girls. And Jane says, and who's going to look after you? And she mentions, like, certainly not Cy. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. uh, <clears throat> Joni says something, and Jane has a, why is everybody fucking whispering all of a sudden? <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, Joni's kind of talking about how hard of a time she has, and Jane has a great line that is kind of applied to the overall uh, show that every day takes figuring out all over again how to fucking live. Uh, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the way she's, and, and Moses is trying to figure out how yeah. to live with himself, and Jane has been trying to figure out since Wild Bill yeah, died. Since Wild like, Bill was yeah. what is she? What is her purpose? What is she going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're outside the Bullock House, and Seth is talking to Al, mm. um, kind of filling him in on Hurst, and Al is is worried. Uh, and now this is where we're going to talk about. I got this quote written down, where Al says, "Running his business as a fucking despot has its fucking logic." It's the way I fucking run mine. It's the way I'd run my, run my home if I fucking had one. But there's no practical need for him to run the fucking camp. That's out of scale. It's out of proportion. And it's a warped, unnatural impulse. This fucking cocksucker. <laughs> Which... Well, that is, that is I, interesting. I guess that's the, that's the indictment of, you know, someone who claims all he wants is the, is the, the color. Things like that. It's just that he's got... It, it's an, un, an unnatural appetite, uh, you know... Yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to say like an obscenity. To, there's an obscenity to it, so against mm-hmm. the natural order. Right. Yeah, and I kind of had the same kind of like, wait a minute, Al. Yeah. yeah which is, <laughs> yeah. You just like set up Deadwood as part as part of the Dakota Territory, like without telling anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like there's all, all, all these things. I mean, it's you know you Al threatened the fu- the entire future of the camp as a power play against Hearst. It is you know it is a funny thing that they do set up. As as I said, they do set up Hearst as this awful you know uh, corrupting influence in town. But it's you know Al, Al's bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I I think what you could argue for Al. Is it Al, like, makes big picture moves in order to allow yeah. everyone else to live their life? Yep. Uh, which is maybe a growth from the like the first season or even the second. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Hurst, he like he wants this one thing, and like you said, it's sort of perverse and unnatural. Yeah. This the well, way this is he the thing he would like to control a community, but it's he wants to control. I, I would say the difference, I suppose, is Al wants to control a community because he wants to see it grow and prosper. And, you know, then he can, you know, be on top of that. But, uh, you know, I mean, once, once the gold's out the ground, Hearst does not care about Deadwood. It's, you know, it's, he's, he's there to, to extract what he can. Mm -hmm. And then he's, you know, then he has a new, then he'll have a new, a new project. Yeah. And just leave the husk to rot. Yeah. Leave the husk behind. He's, uh, I guess, you know, I guess the idea would, I guess, you know, if you would be sort of vulture capitalism versus Mm -hmm. a a more compassionate capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. And, and now Al also kind of says that like, he wants to rob people basically. Like Mm. he wants to join the ancients. Like I'll be robbing those people blind. Like Mm -hmm. no one's going to like rob them more than I do. So maybe that's more like Al wants to grow the camp and get it more established so that he can well, do not, yeah. his business. Whereas Hearst is like, I need to get every single part of this t- town 
aligned in a way that gets me the most money mm-hmm. and the most like raw material. Mm-hmm. And then I can, and you know, he's like, what Al says is like, it's out of proportion for him to like need to do what he wants to do in my bar. Yeah. Cause yeah. like Al, uh, Hearst sees Al's bar as an extension of his property. Like I control it. Whereas Al's just like, I want everyone else to do good so that when they come in here, I can rob them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to go out and like start using the hardware store to like bedrooms for, for prostitutes. Like that's, right. that's out of proportion. But um, I mean, you know, but it, it's all a matter of degree. You know, he's also setting up a house linked to another house so that, uh, so that Saul can be mayor. <laughs> that's true. But it is for Saul to be mayor. And I think as much as Al, like, maybe has an in with Saul, I think he also knows just, like, Saul's the better choice for mayor, clearly. Better than he be? What? Yeah, it's hard (laughs) to believe, but I think it's true. You know my works. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, after that, um, he tells Seth, like, he'll want to marshal his cutthroats, do stay in hailing distance, yeah, and just walks off through the thoroughfare, and that's the end of the episode. I thought it was interesting that I feel like we see a lot more shots in this season of Al in the thoroughfare. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, rather than sort of up high. Yeah. Exactly. We've talked before about how, you know, with, with, uh, in the first season, we see, like, Al on his balcony, and Cy would be on his balcony, and, like, Seth would be, like, up in the rafters. Yeah, with, right. They'd kind of the, all glare at each other across the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Wild Bill, and there was sort of the gods of the camp. that like. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And now Hurst, you know, has his own balcony. Yeah. <laughs> in the next episode, he'll make his fucking own. Um, but now we see Al more down low. Mm-hmm. More and there's a part, you know, when he fights Seth, he drags him off the balcony, comes crashing to yeah. the ground, mm-hmm. kind of humanizing him, and now he's more a part of the body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's interesting. Also talked a lot about the camp being like a body. Yeah. And like, if one suffers a trauma, we've seen the ripples go through it, and Al is is maybe because of the threat of Hurst, he's being more in with the rest of the camp. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's, I guess that the, the conflict now is the camp versus Hurst, rather than yeah. divisions with, rather than you know, Seth versus Al, or you know, things, or Al versus Cy. It's 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 now it's the more the camp as a whole versus uh, versus Hurst. Yeah, and as much as Hurst is like a, a symbol of unfettered capitalism, he's also sort of a of a virus that's kind of infected the camp, and the camp has to reject it before it infects every cell yeah clearly. yeah I mean, that's the first episode of the season yeah. Like, yeah god damn it's good yeah like we've, I, <laughs> we've said that there well it's 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 a great like here's where everything's set and it's uh-huh. everything's things are in motion already it's mm-hmm. and we've got you know we've got things on the edge of happening we've yeah it's no it's it's a cool one it's not just it's not just place setting which is nice because sometimes the first episode of a season can be a bit like let's let's check in with everybody and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nothing much happens but this is this is quite this is good in that it sets it up dives right lot, in gets, yeah, really yeah. gets into the you know plots are already in motion actions being taken yeah all right well that's episode one of season three right uh, matt thanks for joining us well, yeah, thank, thank you, so you. Much. that was an absolute pleasure what a fun podcast it's great to just like kick the shit around about deadwood yeah. especially with the uh, someone new and get some you know fresh perspective on it and 
I, like any any new person I can talk to about dead weight. <laughs> yeah. like, it's got to be like the way the Christians felt in like Rome. To be like, oh my God, can we talk about Deadwood? Is it, uh, and also is it that if someone hears you talking about Deadwood, you might be executed? It's, yeah. it's very possible. I don't like, like that show. Yeah. Breaking Bad is the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so everyone, like Matt, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Oh, on, okay, uh, yes, you can, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can see me doing stand-up around Houston. You can follow me on Twitter at, at pulppit, so P-U-L-P-P-I-T. And uh, I will be appearing at the Altercation Comedy Festival in uh, Austin, Texas at the end of September. Say, yeah. if you're in Austin, go so see me. If you're in, in Austin, please go, please go see me. You can check that out. Uh, find that Altercation Comedy uh, Festival online and uh, see the lights. It's a great lineup this year. Uh, we've got Eddie Pepitone, Brian Posehn, a lot of other great stand-up comedians. So yeah, nice. please come check us out. Because he's a better Buddha himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, I'll, be, uh, I'll be opening for Eddie, so all right. As usual, you can check us out on our website at mockingbirdnetwork.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Unauthorized Cinnamon. Uh, we're on Twitter at Deadwood Pod. Uh, so follow us there. We'll try and uh, update with a few more. We've been kind of quiet with the with the memes. Need to make more memes, folks. <laughs> uh, we'll also be posting episodes and any updates we have. Uh, yeah until next time uh, enjoy watching Deadwood we'll see you next week for I am not the fine man you take me for Mockingbird Network